Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Um, it's such a, a thrill for me to be able to, to stand in this place. I know that uh, the pastors and uh, all the administrators here at Ethos, they, they protect this space. And so it's an honor for me uh, to get a chance to, to teach you and, and to be a part of this uh, worship gathering today. Um, I wanna start by telling you a story. Um, when I was growing up, my mom and dad who are here this morning, happy Mother's Day to my mom, um, were incredibly faithful at making sure that my sister and I uh, were in the church doors every single time the doors opened. They had this, this great just belief that, that there was a, a transformative experience that lies within those spaces where we get to go and be a part of the community of God. And I will always and forever be thankful for my parents and their diligence of getting my sister and I into those communities where we could experience the presence of God. But one of the things that I didn't like so much was the drive back home from church on Wednesday nights. And while you may think that's a little odd, I'll explain. Oftentimes coming back from church on Wednesday nights, we would be in two cars. My mom would take my sister home and I would ride home with my dad. And my dad would have to make a stop some Wednesday nights on the way home. And this semi-routine stop on the way home from church was to none other than Office Depot. Now, before you assume I have an irrational animosity or fear of office products, let me just say that I, the reason that I dread going to the office depot with my dad had very little to do with the actual store, but it had more to do with the time of night that we would go to the store. You see, far too often while perusing the aisles filled with printer paper and envelopes and pens and pencils, which was my favorite aisle, and vast, vast, endless seas of office furniture, we would, me and my dad would be in the store walking around and this dreaded announcement would come over the PA system. Attention, Office Depot customers, our store will be closing in 10 minutes. Please bring your final selections to the front of the store and immediately I would be filled with terror. I had this unbelievable, irrational thought that I was going to be trapped in Office Depot, that they were gonna forget that my dad and I were back looking at printer ink because my dad was looking for the best possible deal and they were gonna lock the doors behind us and leave us in there for the night. And so I would bring these irrational fears to my dad. I would tug on his arm and I would say, we have to go, we have to go. I'm, I'm incredibly scared they're gonna lock us in here. We have to go. And of course, my dad would ignore my requests because he's a rational adult and he knows that an employee, employee of an establishment this fine would never allow a father and son to be trapped in there overnight until they did. I'm totally kidding, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Every single time we'd take my dad's office supply needs to the front, we would check out with the best deal possible, we would walk out and the night manager would lock the door behind us and my dad would look at me and say something to the effect of, see, that wasn't all that bad, was it? So often there are seasons in our life where we feel trapped or stuck, particularly in our faith, as a result of our own poor choices. Last week, Andrew shared with us some wonderful thoughts about the story of Ananias and Sapphira. It's not a wonderful story, but it was about this movement that God began and continued to the work of Jesus and his disciples and the spirit and how that movement suffered a major setback because of personal sin and hypocrisy. You see, Ananias and Sapphira chose their circumstances. They chose a path that separated their hearts from the movement of God. 
But today, I wanna look at those moments in our life where we didn't necessarily choose to separate our hearts from the movement of God, but moments in our lives where our circumstances are out of our own control. What about the seasons of life where we feel trapped, not because of something that we chose, but because of a situation or circumstances that chose us? When we did nothing to the contrary of the will of God or the movement of the Spirit, and yet we find ourselves trapped. Today, as we look through Acts 5, 17 through 42, I want you to see two truths come to the surface. Number one, there are no circumstances, no prisons, no persons, no powers that can stand in the way of God accomplishing what he wants to accomplish in you and through you in the world today. There are no circumstances, no prisons, no persons, no powers that can stand in the way of God accomplishing what he wants to accomplish in you and through you in the world today. And the second thought is this, is that if you feel trapped in whatever circumstances that surround you, God has no plans to leave you behind, to leave you locked in the store That place that God has you in, those circumstances that you are currently in, the the community that God has made you a part of, that work that he's doing in you, all of those things are not in vain. God will not leave you there. Today, we're gonna be looking at a story that despite being trapped by circumstances beyond their control, the apostles were rescued, recommissioned, and emboldened because because God's movement cannot be stopped. God's movement cannot be stopped. And so we look at these first couple of verses in Acts 5, verses 17 and 18, where we find our our friends, the apostles, caught in this place. It says in verse 17, then the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party, the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles and they put them in public jail. What we need to understand first to grasp this text fully is an understanding of the religious and political landscape in Israel at this time. There's a group of people mentioned here in verse, verses uh, 17 and 18 called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were by all accounts a Jewish sect that only accepted the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, as scripture. That was the law for them. And more importantly to the story, another part of their belief was they did not believe in angels, a point we'll come back to in just a moment, supernatural gifts, the resurrection, eternal life, or the kingdom of heaven. That's why they're so sad, you see. That's horrible, low-hanging fruit right there. That's horrible. But Brandon told me I had to try that joke, so you can blame that on him. He told me I had to try Remember, in this, in this portion of the, of the Bible, we're in the midst of the Roman Empire. When you go back in history and you look at the ways that this text overlays uh, world history, we're in the middle of the Roman Empire. And so the Roman Empire had control of all things within Israel, including the temple. And there were Jewish leaders that assumed sort of these leadership positions over the temple and over the Jewish people. But the Sadducees knew that those Jewish leadership bodies were just sort of mere formalities. They knew that that the true controllers of the temple and all things in Israel were the Romans. And so the Sadducees made their political alliances with the Romans. 
And so you can imagine for this group, this body of Jewish leaders that knew the Romans were in control, were watching as this group of apostles were teaching the word of God in the temple courts, a place that they held sacred. And they watched as this following of apostles grew in number. If you go back into Acts chapter two, we studied that because of one sermon that Peter gave, 3,000 were added to their number. And so this, this movement that God has started in the book of Acts is growing and growing and growing. And this group, the Sadducees are watching as this group obtains more power. At least that's how they saw it in their eyes. And this group that the apostles were teaching, they were proclaiming that Jesus was Lord. And in the Roman Empire, that's something that you could not do. You could not proclaim that anybody else other than Caesar was Lord. And so the Sadducees were like, we've got to do something about this because our backs are against the wall. And so they do what only they know to do, which is to take these apostles who had done nothing wrong and throw them into jail. Can you imagine what the apostles had to be thinking at this point? Finding themselves behind the bars of these prisons. They had just come off of a a season where they had had this incredible personal sin that had rocked their community, Ananias and Sapphira. They had gone back out to keep doing what they only knew to do, which was to preach the word of God. And as soon as they begin doing that in the temple courts, they're arrested and thrown into jail for no reason at all. This wasn't just Peter and John. This was all the apostles put into prison. Can you imagine how the apostles felt at this point? All the momentum they had from the Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the miraculous works, the movement of Jesus had never been stronger. And yet in what seems like one instant, Sin, hypocrisy, and fear enter the church because of Ananias and Sapphira's poor choice. And one of the most powerful collections of Jewish leaders throws the apostles into prison. Have you ever had a moment like this in your life where it seems like the brokenness of the world just stops you in your tracks? No matter how much momentum in the spirit or how well your journey with God is going, Seemingly, there are these moments where we are on fire for the Lord and not because of our own choices, but because simply the world is broken, the evil one stops us in our tracks. And in these moments, you look at your circumstances and all you wanna do is cry out and say, God, why me? Why now? Why this? This isn't fair. I feel, I feel trapped. Have you ever had moments when you feel like you are stuck in a prison that you do not deserve? I can't help but think that in a room like this, there are so many of you who feel this way. Many of you maybe feel trapped professionally. Maybe your job situation is less than ideal because of a poor relationship with your boss or your team, and there's little room to grow in your profession. And so you've applied to new places and you search for new opportunities and no one seems to wanna call you back. And so you just feel trapped. You wait on a phone call that's not coming because it's out of your control. Or maybe you feel trapped physically. Maybe you've been experiencing pain or sickness for years that doctors can't describe or understand and you feel trapped in this physical body that you know that God has told you over and over that you're not made for and yet it made you, makes you feel terrible. Maybe you feel trapped emotionally. Maybe you've recently come to feel anxious and depressed and alone after so many years of being a bubbling extrovert without any explanation at all. Maybe you were a victim in a situation a long time ago that absolutely wasn't of God and certainly wasn't your fault, but it consistently affects your relationships and the way that you view yourself. 
Maybe you feel trapped politically or culturally. Today, it seems that as a community who believes in the power of the gospel, that we so desperately long to share the joy and the freedom and the grace of the story of Jesus. But because of our cultural and political climate, that message of joy and freedom and grace gets cut, cut down and twisted and made solely about using words that make much of God to make less of other people. Maybe you feel trapped in that way. I have felt trapped that way. I've spent the last four years of my life sort of trying to triumph over this prison that God put me in four years ago, which is another story for another time. But I have felt in the same way that the apostles felt in the story of being trapped in a situation that was beyond my control despite all the, move, mo, the, the momentum that God had given me in my life. It's a difficult place to find ourselves in, but today, no matter what undeserved prison you have found yourself in, be reminded that this story in Acts 5 shows us that God is faithful and he is worthy of our trust. Because look what God does in verses 19 and 20. It says, but, the game changer in the Bible is the word but, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Despite circumstances, God always finds a way to add that but, but I'm gonna do something, but I'm gonna save you, and he does. An angel Lord comes and the angel says to the apostles, he says, go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. When all hope seems lost, God intervenes through the miraculous and through the unexpected. God finds a way to reignite the spark of the movement that he began in Jesus and fan it into flame. And what I love most about this scene is that God doesn't simply set the apostles free for their own benefit. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, hey, you're free, now go. He says, now go and stand in the temple courts and tell the people of this story. When God sets us free, he doesn't simply rescue or restore us for our own individual benefit. Make no mistake, God loves you and he loves your heart and he loves your personality and he wants you as an individual to be set free. He wants the best for you. But when it comes to God's ultimate kingdom mission, God is thinking about how your story, your courage, your gifts, your strength can be used to bring his message of love and salvation to the world, not just about you. He's not just thinking about you. He's thinking about all the people in your circles and in your community that your story can influence. When God saves you, he's not playing checkers, he's playing chess. He's thinking about the whole board. He's thinking about how moving you as a pawn or a knight or a bishop is gonna affect the outcome of this great spiritual game that we're all playing. You have an important role to play. That's what he tells the apostles to this message of an angel is you have an important role to play in the kingdom of God. Don't miss this. That despite the prison you might find yourself in now, God is going to set you free in such a way that you can use the testimony of being in that prison to help set other people free. And we're gonna see how that plays out in this very story. Acts 5, chapter 21, verse, or, or Acts 5, verses 21 through 33. It says, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel and sent to the jail for the apostles. 
But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the, the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were puzzled, wondering what could come of this. Then someone said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers and he brought the apostles and they did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. And having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin and be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, but we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead who you had killed by hanging him on a tree and God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness to the sins of Israel. We are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. So after being freed by the angel of the Lord, the apostles continue with their work in the temple courts among the most, the, a collection of the most powerful leaders in Jerusalem. And those men come to address the apostles whom they just put into chains and who are now standing possibly in the very place that they were standing when they arrested them. Without any kind of struggle, without any kind of violence, they just stood there preaching the word of God by some miraculous work of our Lord. And what I love about this, this, this part of the story is this interaction between Peter and the high priest. I think when we look at this interaction, I believe it teaches us such a valuable lesson about how we often find ourselves subject to the oppression of things beyond our control. I am a huge sports fan. I love all kinds of, of different teams. One of my favorite teams is the National Predators, and I've been so fortunate to have uh, tickets to go a, a lot and be able to uh, watch my team play live. And so I, I've gotten into this groove and this habit when, yes, fang fingers, thank you, around the front I've gotten into this groove where I've gotten to go and I, I get so wrapped up in the game and in uh, the season and in the success and failures of this team that I will allow it allow the results of those games to change my mood and my heart and my attitude. And it's gotten so bad that, that I will watch a game wearing a certain article of clothing, see if you can relate to this. And if the team loses, I will never wear that article of clothing watching that team again. I gotta change jerseys, I gotta switch it up, change hats, change socks, change something. And in those moments when I'm watching my teams and I allow it to affect my mood or my person, or I feel that somehow, some way, a game going on miles and miles away from my house is somehow my fault, I give something power that does not deserve it over my life. And that may be a silly, superstitious example, but this happens in our lives all the time, where we give power to something in our life that does not deserve it whether it's the readings on a scale or it's the number in your bank statement or it's the title on your business card or it's the brand of your neighbor's car or the size of their house. These are all things that we give power to that affect us mentally, emotionally, and physically. And even spiritually, we lose hours of sleep, we waste tons of our time and we create dozens of idols in our life because we've given power to something that doesn't deserve it. 
And maybe the most powerful example of this is when someone says or assumes something about you that isn't true and that word continues to shape who you are. And in order to break the power of those words over us, we must do two things. One, we must speak the truth of God's word over our own lives and into our own identities. When you feel trapped or stuck because of someone else's lie that Satan has planted about you, you must speak truth about who you are in Jesus Christ over your own life. That is what you must do. You must recognize that you are a child of God called into faithfulness, saved by grace, set free from the bondage of sin, that you have been called just like the apostles to go out and stand in the temple courts and stand in your community as a beacon of light and hope to say that Jesus is the one who saves. Not a car, not a number on a scale, not a number in your bank account, not a title on your card, on your business card, but to stand in the streets and to say that Jesus is the only one who makes me who I am, who gives me value and worth and sets me free and gives me purpose. And the second thing that we must do, and I think this is way more important, and I think this is what Peter is doing, he's speaking truth in the face of power, is that we as a community of God, we have to be better about speaking truth and encouragement into the lives of other people. Because I think that there are so many people that enter into these doors every single week who are struggling with this, that there is a lie or there is a rumor or there is a word that has been spoken over their life that is completely untrue. And the only way to dispel that is to meet them with the truth of God face to face, brother to brother, sister to sister, to say you are loved and you are cherished and you are gifted and you are talented and you are worthy and to speak that truth over others' lives. Sometimes speaking truth into the faith of power means that we speak truth to those who have been deeply wounded by those powers. There are moments in our life where where power, not silly superstitious power, but emotionally and spiritually crippling power does things to us, to our hearts and minds that it should not be able to do. And what Peter teaches us here is that when we speak truth into into the face of those powers, which is what Peter does in the face of the high priest, God can begin a work in us and in others that will change the course of history. Let me say that again, is that when you speak truth to those things that have been given power that don't deserve it, God will start a work in you and others to change the course of history. And we see that happen in this story, Acts 34 through 40, Acts 5, 34 through 40. It says, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed them, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody And about 400 men rallied to him and he was killed and all of his followers dispersed and it came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt and he too was killed and all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. Notice again the but here. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Peter's word of truth in the face of the high priest who had no authority over him because he was not Jesus. Peter's word began a work in Gamaliel 
that he then took into this closed door room with all of these men. They send the apostles out and Gamaliel goes in front of all of these Jewish leaders and the apostles are standing on the other side of the door. They have no idea what's going to happen. They're standing there and their fate is being determined behind these closed doors in Israel. I wanna wrap your mind around the gravity of what's going on in the scripture is that all of the apostles are awaiting their fate. Remember the guys inside of that room want to kill them. Not just one of them, not just Peter or John, but all of them. The fate of the movement that you and I are a part of, that we are called to awaken every single day is on the line right here in this moment in Acts 5 behind these closed doors. That these men could have come out and have chosen, you know what, we're just gonna execute them all. It's easier and cleaner that way. We can just do away with this right now. But because of Peter's word, speaking truth over power, Gamaliel hears this and he goes into this room and he says, look guys, if this, if this, is, if this is of human origin, it's gonna fade away. We've seen this before, but if this is from God, there's nothing we can do about it. Because God is stronger than any person or prison or power. God's gonna do something. And Gamaliel doesn't even believe in the power of the spirit or believe in Jesus. He just, he's just, wanting a clean ending to this. And he says, look, if this is from God, what can we do? If this is from God, what can we do? Guys, where there is resistance from the, whole, from, from the, the movement of God, where there is resistance to the movement of God, the Holy Spirit is at work 10 times over. He's working through people and situations that have no idea that God is present. And he works through this man named Gamaliel to save the movement because Peter was brave enough, was bold enough to stand up and speak truth into the face of power. I'm not sure that the apostles realized the gravity of this right then and there. I'm not sure that they realized that the movement, the fate of the movement was at stake. The fate of the movement that we at Ethos feel we have to awaken in our city lay there in the temple court that day where only men who are opposed to that mission and calling sat. And in that moment, in that moment, the apostles had to put their faith, had to put their hope, had to put all their trust into a firm belief that no circumstances, no prisons, no persons, no powers can stand in the way of God accomplishing what he wants to accomplish in us and through us in the world today and forevermore. Because of the good work that God begins in you, he is gonna see it through to the end just as he did for the disciples that day. Look at verse 41. Verse 41. It says that the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. That day they left the Sanhedrin after receiving just a, a flogging, rejoicing that they were counted as worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus, rejoicing in the fact that God had no plans to leave them behind, that God had placed them in the community that he made them a part of. He had given them the work that they were doing and he had placed them in that situation, in that prison that they didn't deserve. And all of that was not in vain. All of that was not in vain. Today, you may feel like the apostles at the beginning of the story, trapped in a prison that you didn't make, that you didn't ask for and that you certainly don't deserve. And I believe that God's word for you today is for you to trust in him with all of your heart and to lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him 
and give control to him and surrender to him and understand that nothing can stop him, not even the current circumstance and situation that you are in. Today, you may feel like the apostles in the middle of the story, living in fear of something that you have given power to over your life that absolutely does not deserve it. And I believe that God's word for you today is to speak truth over your own life in the face of that power and declare that you are a beloved child of God. You are saved by the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and you are filled with the wonderful power of the spirit. And you will fear no power, no prison or no person. Maybe for you today, you've never proclaimed that over your life. You never put your faith and trust and hope in Jesus. And today is a day that you can do that. And finally, maybe today you are Gamaliel, that your testimony, that your word, that your story, that, that despite what you think about it, despite what you know about, about those things and the impact of those things, maybe your story, your testimony is gonna set someone else free today. So I wanna encourage you today as we enter into a time of communion to share your story where God has maybe set you free from something that you never thought you could be delivered from, where God has continued a great work in you that he began a long time ago, where God has shown you the way out, maybe by some miraculous circumstance. Maybe it's just an ordinary story where, I have, where you've seen the work of God in others. But today, may we know that there is nothing that will stop the movement of God. There is nothing that can stop him. So in just a moment, we're gonna enter into a time of communion. There are tables all around the room with uh, the bread and the cup. I'm just gonna pray today that, that God will uh, arise in this body of people, uh, men and women who long to speak truth in the face of power, who long to trust God despite unwanted and undeserved prisons, and who long to share their story, who long to share their heart, who long to speak up and say, hey, this is, this is what I've been through and maybe it can serve as an encouragement to others. So I'm gonna pray and then uh, we'll go and take communion. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word, for this incredible story and the ways that you just make a way. God, you make a way. It doesn't matter what circumstances stand in front of us, what walls, what towers, what, what anything that stands in our way, God, you make a way. And so God, we pray today in this room, there are people that just need a way made for them and we pray that your spirit would do that. And God, I pray that as we partake of this bread and cup, we would be reminded that the, that the only way to you is through Jesus, through this bread and this cup. And that thousands of years ago, you sent your son to truly make a way for us through this world, to experience your kingdom of heaven here on earth. God, may we be great stewards of that kingdom. May, be, when, may we have the, the boldness and the courage and the tenacity of the apostles that despite their circumstances or the powers that are around them, to go into the places in our community and to speak truth and life and justice and love to those people around us. God, set us free from things that might be chaining us down. Help us to be delivered from the evil one. We pray this today in the name of Jesus, amen.